Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's episode 39 of the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast. Just because it's the off-season doesn't mean we stop. Well, the England team certainly aren't. Came within a whisker of a win against New Zealand, and we'll be talking about that, as well as all the other internationals and some other things which are tickling our fancy in the off-season. Uh, I'm Tim, he's JB. Hi, Tim. And that's Phil. Hi, Tim. Hold on. You on? Wrong mic. Go on, move that round, JB. Hello. Oh, <laughs> shambolic. Sorry, guys. This is third world. Let's have a look. Lads, we've got a very important announcement before we get on with the podcast. We've got uh, another famous celebrity listener. Ooh. Hello. I'm Phil Neville, the BBC's football commentator. When I'm not boring people during England matches with my monotonous style, I listen to the Egg Chasers rugby podcast. It is almost as entertaining as I am. Phil Neville. Phil Neville's a big fan. Wow. Yeah, how did you get that, Tim? Well, you know, he, he took a break from his busy schedule uh, commentating on, on the matches. I, I, I would do think one thing when I was li- watching the England-Italy World Cup match the other night is I was thinking, I think JB might finally have someone he dislikes during matches more than Stuart Barnes. Uh, I didn't even notice him. Uh, I'm supposed <laughs> to be the only person in the world not to, not to notice him. I was very impressed by the game. Uh, I like the way that Roy Hodgson let the boys play. He just... <laughs> off, they, off, off they went. <laughs> well... I thought something on Saturday morning as I was watching England v New Zealand. I thought, and I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. I don't mind Stuart Barnes. I quite like him. He's an idiot. Uh, it's like I quite like Dean Ryan as a director of rugby. Uh, I've got a problem with him. And you quite like uh, the other Barnes as a ref as well, I guess. Wayne Barnes, I think, is a decent <laughs> ref. Yeah. Great, great ref. No, the problem is right that Neville isn't really a commentator, so he, you know, he got thrown in. and That's fine. Stuart Barnes, however, his. He's even got a small documentary called Life Behind the Mic on, on, on Sky, yet he's completely useless at commentating. And he's got that little trick. Have you, have you ever seen that little, little trick he does at the start of a game? And what he'll do is he'll say, he'll pick up a motion, say someone's running with the ball, and he crashes it into contact. He goes, well, with that run, what he's saying is dot, 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 dot. But usually the dot, 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 he fills it in with. So he'll go, what he's saying with that run is that he's really, really up for this game. Like, how do you know that just from the body language? Yeah, his body language is demonstrating <laughs> to Stuart Lancaster <laughs> yeah. why he, he needs is? to be on that pitch. <laughs> when? When did this happen? How do you know? Well, they say m- most communication is non-verbal, <laughs> which I'm sure you can pick up on this podcast as well, all our non-verbal communication that's going on, like, like these fingers that are going up towards <laughs> you, JB. 
Uh, right, so we're going to get into the internationals, obviously. That, that, but we've mentioned the World Cup football already and the dire Phil Neville. I mean, like the, one of my favourite Twitter accounts is Boring James Milner. Someone, as, <laughs> yeah, as we speak, I guarantee is setting up Boring Phil Neville. Oh, yeah. I hope so. Maybe we should do that. It's such a shame for Phil Neville because he's one mm. of those guys that everything he does, he's in the shadow of his brother. We, we should set one up called Tragic Mark Wilkinson. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, he's a classic run to the litter, Phil Neville. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Worse, well, at, worse at football, worse at commentating. The only thing that he was better at was, was cricket, uh, which he doesn't play, never did anything past 19. I also heard, I also heard that his mum likes him more. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, she tells him that. Yeah. <laughs> she yeah. means it. <laughs> there was one, I think there's a big similarity going on as we speak between the England rugby team and the England football team. Mm, go on. The Manu Tuolagi playing him on the wing, out of position. Yep. Wayne Rooney, playing him on the left, out uh-huh. of position. Some people are complaining you don't get the best out of one of your prize assets, but then there's other people saying, well, it's about the team as a whole. I agree. There's a big, big similarity. I completely mm. agree. Where do you stand on, on either or, well, particularly Tuolagi, as we're talking about rugby? Uh, I think Tuolagi's fine. I mean, Tuolagi spent a lot of time on the wing at Leicester uh, before he was moving to centre. I didn't see... Any problem with it whatsoever? He played a bit. I, I can't recall. I can recall a few games when he first started when he played on the wing, but not many, and certainly not for a couple of years. But I think he's good enough to do it. But I what's think, the difference? I think he's. So I, I don't have a huge problem with Tuolagi playing on the wing. We um, had this. We had it, this debate with a few friends of ours, and a good friend of ours, in fact, CJ, friend of the show, de- decreed that you can't possibly play wing without a world class kicking game. Oh no, a kicking game. Was that is that fair? Is that fair to say? Uh, yeah, it might have been like extraordinary. You needed extraordinary kicking talent to play on the wing. <laughs> well, what was interesting, there was hardly any kicking in that match on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from either team, there was yeah. more from New Zealand than from England. Bring back Kenny Logan. The, bo- the boys were they were really throwing it about. To Alagi a couple of times, pretty risky. Yeah, uh, uh, like offloads in his own twenty-two when he, he's got men on him. He won't die wondering. <laughs> Here's the difference sure. between the England football team and the England rugby team, though. In the, in the case of the England football about a team, thousand kg. <laughs> Rooney was moved uh, across to uh, out of position to accommodate two players who played superbly well. Mm-hmm. Tuolagi was moved out of position to accommodate two players who arguably were the weak link for England. I don't yeah. think they were. Well, I thought Burrell missed I one thought, or two tricks. I thought Twelve Trees all I thought Billy Twelve Trees was at fault for well, certainly one of New Zealand's tries. That, that the one they where they cantered in and ran around the outside, where, mm. where, where Billy Twelve Trees gave an offload that was never on. Yeah. And he should never have given. He does distribute nicely. I know it's a cliche, and I say, oh, he's a distributing offload, but he really is. I thought he looked superb at times. He made a great break. Yeah, he did. But I did think he played pretty poorly by his standards. And it's it's an interesting one that so he, he dropped Kyle Eastman, who not had much game in the last few yeah. months, but. But brought in Twelve Trees, who's not had much game time in the last few months. And Eastman played well last week, but Twelve Trees didn't play particularly well. So it'd be, it will be interesting to see if Eastman gets his place back. I think they stick. Well, I think they'll stick. stick the I think they'll stick with as they are. And I think it's important because they did so well in the Six Nations together. I think it's important to see what this pair can do. But what I think against New Zealand exposed is when they made line breaks, they made them through the centres. Although I thought Farrell had a few missed tackles, though. Uh, not missed tackles, but half tackles. You know. Yeah. He did. They did make him through the centres. Part of that, though, was because they played such quick ball that there was often forwards in the centres, like the the Ben Smith try. Yeah, it was um, uh, Dave, Dave, Wilson, Dave Wilson, I think, Parlin, Launchbury, yeah. and then Robshaw was the final man covering for the final pass. So it, they were ghosting through. Props who were out of position because New Zealand were playing with such tempo, and partly because you cannot 
cough up cheap ball. Yeah. Billy Twelve Trees, I, I think he's a real talent. I think he's important for Owen Farrell, and I think he can release Manitoulagi and Luther Burrell and stuff, but he's got to start. He's got to get better at knowing when to give and when not to, because, yeah, distribution is his strength, but he coughed up that try that New Zealand scored. Mm. Yeah. Well, I just wonder. Uh, I mean, I'm fine with Tuolangi on, on, on the wing. Um, I think he's good enough. I just wonder, would Johnny May have scored that uh, eight, the 80-metre try where he got caught by Ben Smith? Possibly. Yeah. Probably. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Cause Is there that much of a difference in pace? Ben, ben Smith did have the angle. Mm. Um, and Tuolangi's tool like quick, but... You'll know what it's like covering across in that position, Phil. you playing in the back three a lot. And um, what... What I was thinking is by trying to go in a straight line, Tuolangi just gave Ben Smith more advantage than he necessarily had to have because Ben Smith was running at full tilt, a little a little jink inside, and he's got the weak shoulder of Ben Smith, hasn't he? Tell you yeah. the other thing as well, what, though. What What is good to do then, if if you can, is step towards him, like you say, and he has to stop, and then if you can yeah. accelerate around him, that's the perfect... It, it depends on the angles, though, and it depends on the timing when he comes across. I thought Ben Smith did really well oh, in that yeah. position. It was... Fantastic tackle. And I also thought Matt, uh, Matt Brown, it's a UFC fighter. Um, the other Brown, Mike Brown. Mike Brown, thank you. I kind of sort him short a bit because he ran he's, away. He's, yeah, he's running away from him, and then someone's in between Mike Brown. Who's, who's the all black between Mike Brown and Tuolangi making the pass? Not possible. I, I couldn't say who it was. But, yeah, so someone's but, coming back and they're in between them. Yeah, come, Mike, Mike Brown seemed to drift away from him yeah. rather than follow him tightly because you only need to be two metres, three metres away to mm. give a one-on-one pass and it's a try. I thought Mike Brown looked at about 75% of, of what Mike Brown actually is. I, don't, I think he was injured. Well, the, the last two games is not... Is he suffering from a hamstring or something? He had a hamstring injury. Yeah, you could definitely for, tell him. Doubt for the first test and he's not played to his, his standard. No. I'm sure at one point he was limping. I'm sure he was. Mm, maybe. But yeah, Tuolagi is good enough to do it. Don't forget that was his first game playing wing in a long time. Mm. And it's a hell of a level to be dropped in at. Yeah, it's not that hard though, is it? And, uh, <laughs> and I suppose we need to learn at this stage, are Burrell and 12 Trees, the centre partnership, because we're, we're aspiring to win the World Cup next year. Definitely. Um, I think they are. We need to know if they are. And yeah, they may well be, they may not be, but you're not going to find out unless you... But you know, Burrell did something in. silly, which was... He was running a switch angle with Molignard. And Molignard, I mean, don't think he was clean through by any means, but he had space. And we've seen time and time again Molignard. All he needs is, is a, uh, a bit of a gap and he can make, make something happen. And he was com- coming in and Burrell had the perfect opportunity to put the ball back inside. He just, he just died. He just, just died with it. If I was Jim Redknapp, I'd now say he literally just died with it. <laughs> He's a top top player. Yeah, top 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 player. Top top top, top, top player. player. But literally just died with it. The best one of those was Jamie Redknapp said, "Michael Owen is is back this years ago. Michael Owen is literally a greyhound." <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was, it was really funny. He's literally left him for dead there. <laughs> Wonderful. Ben Smith, though, you mentioned him. What a player. We've talked yeah. about him before in the Literally podcast. Literally an accountant. But yeah, about <laughs> how how impressive he is. When he slotted in for Conrad Smith, it was like they, yeah. didn't, they didn't miss Conrad Smith. When he slots in yeah. for Israel Dag, they don't miss Israel Dag. In fact, it enhanced the all-black team. He's a talented yeah. boy. He's a really, really talented boy. We've all played with people who, when they try out on the pitch, you wouldn't be intimidated or worried about them at no. all. And then when they play, you go, my God. God, that guy's a player. 
and the and the same way the reverse. We've all played when there's these mute beasts that walk <laughs> out of the changing room. You think, oh my god, we're in for a tough oh, one, and god. then and then you see them run or yeah. try and catch. And... <laughs> I played at some ridiculously low level. Sorry, Obedience Rugby. I didn't mean it like that. But for Obedience Rugby team in, in Manchester, we played like Northwich or someone like that. We got there and they're all wearing like wife beater vests and they all looked massive. I've never played against the worst team in all my life. <laughs> they were awful. Played yeah. on like an old cricket and ground. And I'm, on the flip side, I, I'm sorry, I know you were going to say something then, Phil. I'll just quickly chuck this one in. On the flip side, I remember the, the going for the Exeter University, just kind of trying out for the team and all that. And, and this lad uh, was, was there um, and it was like, you look like, you look like a prop. And they went, what position do you play? Centre. <laughs> and, and you could tell everyone oh, was these. like, "All oh, right, okay, fine, let's, let's just uh, put this guy in." He absolutely bossed the trial match, and it was a guy called Ben Thompson who had a really good career in the championship, playing for Exeter Chiefs oh, really? and, and Nottingham Rugby. Really, really good player. But he, just the first glance when he saw him, he thought, "There's a loose head prop." What's centre? And he's played fullback, flyer. I'd, well. ma- I'd make him play a uh, 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 loose head prop. Make him. <laughs> Sorry, what were you going to say? No, well, the, the point I was, was going to make is one I've made before, but the lower down uh, rugby level you get, the better someone looks, the worse they are. You come up against yeah. like a six-four winger who's like 17 stone, really athletic, really like muscular, vascular legs, and they're just useless. They've been put yeah. on the wing because they, like they, the look like, they look like they should be good, but they're yeah. not. But Ben Smith is one of those that doesn't look like... I suppose he's like Kieran Reid in that sense. Yep, yeah, absolutely like Kieran Reid. Far more impressive in reality than, than how they look when you just take a glance at them. Yeah. Real, real talent. Are there any other players? Yeah. That, that... Well, James Haskell is my one of someone who... He's the opposite. I mean, he looks like he should be one of the world's best. Mm. And uh, he's not actually... He's not as good as the specimen that you look at yeah. implies. Well, you look at him next to, say, Tom Wood... And he's yeah. obviously like much more muscular, like yeah. looks a lot more athletic. No, no, Wood looks now looks like the prototypical rugby player with that, with that beard and like that lean. No, but he, he, looks... he looks lean by comparison. And, and yeah. you think of the modern day with these massive I men. Know. I don't think Tom, Tom Wood, to stand next to him, you would think, oh, you're a big slice. But he doesn't look like a massive man yeah. in the context of all the other players. And but... I imagine that Haskell in the gym would beat him at, at everything, like quite, co- quite comfortably as well. What about. Um... Oh, what's his name? Uh, Andy Powell? Yeah. That's a classic he, guy. He's, he's a classic. Monstrous. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Haskell type of PSBs. 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 Oh my God, he should be the greatest number eight that's ever walked on the earth. <laughs> he's so too, look at him. I've said this a lot of times, he's too talented to be good. He doesn't know what it is to work hard, it just comes too easy, so he'll never be any good. Uh, Jamie Noon. Yeah. Jamie Noon had this huge chest, big yeah. guns, traps. Incredible jaw. Like Buzz Lightyear jaw. Yeah. yeah. Concrete hands, all the things that you look for in a centre. <laughs> Uh, how, how about this one? Marius, uh, Marius Pod, Pod, oh, I can't say his name. Polzanowski? Podzanowski. Podzanowski. The you, world's strongest man. Playing rugby. You've seen that? Uh, I've not seen it. Oh, yeah, videos. yeah. He's in kit and stuff, but he's useless. He also tried uh, tried MMA and he got beaten up. Shane Williams shouldn't be one of the greatest wingers that no? we've had yeah. in, the modern, in the modern game. No, well, but he's incredible. Brian O'Driscoll. Yeah. Does not look... Mm. Particularly athletic. But it's not just that he's got an, um, an outside break or a great step or all the stuff that you associate with speed. The fact his defence was as good as any... Yeah. As anyone. anyone. Any back row. Johnny Sexton shouldn't be a professional sportsman, should he? <laughs> no. <laughs> Freddie Burns. No. And another former New Zealand fullback, Christian Cullen. Oh, yeah. Was well, so much better. He was incredible. Well, the thing is with Christian Cullen as well, he's in the, the area where 
kit didn't look professional so he like <laughs> literally scissored off all black sleeves yeah, and uh, massive <laughs> yeah. massive baggy shirt <laughs> big baggy cotton, cotton shirt straight, yeah. sorry Christian the only one we've got is an XXXL uh, so and then uh, socks down to his ankles yeah <laughs> oh good stuff you've got any more suggestions for that at rugby podcast on Twitter well, mentioning bodies and, and, and big people there's one footballer in the World Cup <laughs> who sounds like he should be a rugby player that's Brazilian wide midfielder slash striker Hulk. Well, I was actually with uh, a friend of mine watching the watching the Brazil guy game. So, Brazil guy, yeah, Brazil guy. Mm. Um, and he goes, "Have you seen the shoulders on this guy?" And we looked at him. He's you know, this guy Hulk. He's he's absolutely massive. To be fair, he's a, he is a big boy. He's uh, exactly the same size as Dwayne Peel. <laughs> <laughs> well, well. So yeah, we looked at his weight. <laughs> This guy, this, this guy Hulk, who's Hulk. regarded to be a beast of a footballer. <laughs> a he, beast. Does, he looks like a big big boy compared to some of those. Like, put him next to Neymar. Yeah, oh, Neymar, Neymar who's boy. about seven and a half stone. And yeah, you compare him to some rugby players. So we couldn't find a concrete weight on Hulk. He's somewhere between 75 and 85 kg. I'll give him benefit of the doubt once at 85. Well, if he's 75 and 85, that's between Shane Williams and Dwayne Peel. Yeah. So, he, <laughs> so he's 85. He's bigger than Morgan Power and Shane Williams. But he's similar size, not smaller than Dwayne Peel, Danny Cipriani, Danny Kerr, and Richard, Richard, Richard Wigglesworth. Owen Redding, similar, similar <laughs> size. <laughs> I do love this. Like when they, when they, there was often these videos back in the day or whatever, often narrated by Vinnie Jones, that they go, for Father's Day, what every dad wants, football's hard men. And they'd have this video of football's hard men. And actually, the reality is, they would get battered by, Shane, by Shane Williams. <laughs> I, I think there's something in the Hulk, because maybe he is big for a small guy. Uh, footballer. What Hulk? Yeah, so I've I've turned it into a scale. So James Johnson is one point four Hulks. Uh, Edwin Macker is one point five Hulks, and uh, Una Antonio is one point nine Hulks. Wow. Yeah, he's a big old slice. <laughs> Baruchel tighthead. How many Hulks are wow. you? Because uh, you're bigger than you've been. Two point two point four. Hulks. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> Uh, right, brilliant. Listen, I've got I've organised a rugby social for us. Oh, excellent! Uh, this is where, uh, like, well, rugby socials are something which go on periodically through the season. You have a little drink and all the rest of it with uh, with your rugby teammates. But on the podcast, it is celebrating the fact that rugby players have really got on board with this Twitter malarkey. They love a bit of social media. So I've got some social media comments from some rugby players, and I'm going to put Phil up against JB and see if they can work out who said what. Here we go, Rugby Social. First question relates to Ugo Monye. Ugo Monye met who and said what? Hmm. Was it Miley Cyrus who twerked all over him? <laughs> Was it Nicole Scherzinger who had the finest body he's ever seen? Was it Serena Williams who he said had the biggest roundest bum he's he'd ever seen? Hmm, okay. Biggest so, rounders bum. He plays with Kale Sinkler, so can't be that. <laughs> no, it can't be that. Uh, he also... Um, yeah, okay. <sighs> Who do you mean? So, I, I'm going to say Nicole Scherzinger and her incredible body. Is she, English, is she British-based? Or anything British-based? Well, she, Serena got, Williams. Ooh. Serena Williams. I'm going to say Serena Williams because she's here to play, to play tennis. Serena Williams is a great yes. answer. Yes, he, he, he took it. He loves getting selfies with celebs. There's that Ugo Monye, and he got one with Serena Williams, and said she had the biggest, roundest bum he'd ever seen. Delicious. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, next question. Dylan Hartley sent a one-word tweet 
uh, with a hashtag. Did he send a tweet that, Sausage. Just, that just said, <laughs> hashtag moist, hashtag balls, hashtag humping? Ooh. Hmm. Hmm. Jay, what do you think? Hashtag moist, hashtag balls, hashtag humping. Moist for me. <laughs> hmm. You, you prefer you prefer moist over balls. I never said that. <laughs> do not put do not put things in my mouth, Tim. <laughs> um, hmm. I'm going to go with Jay. I'm going to say there's some terrible wet weather in in New Zealand, and he's uh, hashtag moist. Oh yes, well then. Moist is the correct answer. Well done. On a roll. Right. Dean Schofield now, the Worcester Warriors lock. Uh, Excellent player. In the build-up to the England-Italy football match, what did Dean Schofield do? Did he eat a cake that he baked? Did he pluck his eyebrows? Hmm. Did he eat a Solero that he bought? Solero? Oh, Solero. Hmm. (laughs) Eat a cake, eat a Solero, or pluck his eyebrows. (laughs) Could be any of them. It really Hmm. could be. Okay, Solero. Tropical fruit based. Mm, it's very, uh, very Brazilian, isn't it? It is it's very like, Brazilian. Very, like, Southern American. Plucking your mm. eyebrows. Uh, Phil, you go first. <laughs> I can't see why plucking your eyebrows would be in there. No, but I'm going to go for it. I'm going right. to say. Plucked his eyebrows. Plucking his eyebrows. Right, Jay. Hmm. It is a rage, isn't it, to show how into food you are just to put something on Twitter? Oh, look, I've, I've baked some bread. Maybe it is that. I'm going to go with the cake. It was eating a Solero. Oh, You're both wrong. Oh, J- win. JB takes rugby social. Well How done. That's well. Oh, yeah, of course you did. Ah, sorry. Well done. <laughs> uh, and we move on. Well, let's let's talk about some of the other internationals. Um, for, well, let's talk about the, the internationals in general. So England, New Zealand, and we've talked about the Tuolagi and, and the general and some various things about that. Mm-hmm. Can England get this victory that they're after to, to bring home with them? And even if they do... Does it mentally? Are they are they going to take what they needed from they, this trip? I think they need to win the tests, like like sorry the test series. Personally, what I think, mm-hmm. I, they're going to be gallant losers. I mean, all that New Zealand needs to do now is field a weakened team, and you know whatever whatever plans that they had, they're going to come come away thinking that we haven't really done the job. Mm. That's an interesting point. Well, that's what I do. If I was New Zealand, I'd, I'd blood all, um, all of my young players now. Because then you can't lose. Yeah, you, you can't lose, and then England go. If England go, win, um, it's like they got a consolation. Yeah, not yeah. really, and that'll really haunt them. I think that first test will will haunt them. I think that that, that second test, they lost by one point, but it's the worst defeat though. New Zealand were the better team. Yeah, yeah. that that try at the end kind of papered over the cracks a bit. I kind of think if they had the same team first and second test, I don't mean they've played the first test team in the second test. I mean like they had a consistent consistency. Team. They they might have won. Because that's what New Zealand had. So, yeah. yeah. But by that token, we wouldn't have had what arguably the best player over the two tests for me has been Jeff Parling. Yeah, maybe. Mind yeah. you, I, I, I would argue for England. Um, is uh, and we wouldn't have had him in the fifteen had they played the same team for two no, tests. No, I and mean, he does make a difference because New Zealand were doing a lot of front ball, which was quite a lot of respect to line out. Line out success was only eighty percent compared to one hundred percent last week. I yeah. did just on the line out. I did notice one thing. England managed to defend any driving more New Zealand did, and they did it by only putting in about two or three players in defence. Mm. They all the whole forwards fanned out around the fringes, and about three men. It was basically Marla, 
and a couple of others, it was always Marla, managed to hold up the whole New Zealand eight doing a driving mall. I was really impressed by it anyway. Well, mm. remember Sale had the same, similar sort of tactic with uh, Wahongi. Yeah. They just used to leave Wahongi there and he used to hold up the entire mall. <laughs> Everyone used to spread, spread out. It was very effective. Uh, I thought Farrell's yellow card was really harsh. Yeah, but, what was it for again? I don't even remember now. Uh, it, was, it was for not rolling away. But it, this, this really annoys me and I hope the IRB, I hope they just clarify this because the rules are if a mall collapses... Players don't have to move. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which, on the one hand, really annoys me because basically, if if someone manages to make a choke tackle, and Ireland do this a lot, they make a choke tackle, they hold the guy up, and then as soon as the ref calls maul, they just pull it down and lie on the ball, and he goes right scrum defending tight side ball. That's fine. That annoys me a little bit, mm. but that is the laws. That's what Farrell got a yellow card for. It was a maul that collapsed. Ooh, Farrell doesn't yeah. have to move, and he gave he gave him a yellow card for not rolling away. Yeah. The problem with that was that there weren't enough players into because no. normally when you get a, a mall everyone just dives yeah. in so I don't really mind yellow cards for technical technical infringements but the laws but, yeah, that, but the, the referee didn't implement the laws of the game the referee yeah. should have said scrum England because Farrell was under no obligation to move by the IRB's own laws but I think the laws are wrong and they should change it yeah, sorry see. am I making any sense yeah, yes. no, no, yeah, I, yeah, you are I'm, making sense exactly kind what of mean. like I'm annoyed that Jared Payne got a red card because that shouldn't be the law <laughs> oh, but it yeah. is the law in your mind no, in everyone's let's, mind. Let's not go on. In everyone's mind. In everyone's <laughs> mind. In everyone's uh, mind. Li- listen back to the podcast after Jared Payne's uh, red card if you want to hear a really, really long, long and uh, <laughs> discussion about free it. Jared. <laughs> Hashtag free Jared. <laughs> <laughs> what else did you see in that game? Did the players that came in? Thought David met... Wilson did awesome. Yeah. Thought he looked really, really good. Well, he didn't look. Let's be fair. He doesn't. <laughs> you can never say old phrase David Wilson and look good in the same sentence. He looks yeah, like a fair enough. He looks like a big gargoyle. David Wilson is from the northeast, right? I think yeah. so. Yeah. So has he copied Cheryl Cole with that like barbed wire thigh tattoo nice. that he's got? I think everyone in um, in north the northeast. I think everyone yeah, in northeast got... has to have a certain amount of, of, of body underneath. <laughs> think. I think that's if the rule, isn't it? Well, David Wilson, if you're not, you know, he never shows his bum, but he's got roses all over his bum, like wow. Cheryl Cole as well. <laughs> Cheryl <laughs> Cole. Ugh. I thought Morgan got um, closed down much mm. better than last week. They, yeah. they were obviously well aware of, of the danger of him. But then at the end, when you had Laws on, you had Vunny Polar on, obviously Burrell and Tuolagi were all on. The New Zealand defence was excellent, like really just Did stopping them making yards. Gallant loses again. Unfortunately. Anyone you want to see the, Wel- the Welsh game? Yes. I, felt I, I dozed through the Welsh game. No, good, good for you. The, the bits that I saw, it looked like they just got battered. Yeah, pretty much. Dan, Dan Bigger slotted, slotted two two drop goals. That was impressive because he slotted two drop goals. Uh, and Oli Cuthbert, Oli Cuthbert, Alex, Alex Cuthbert scored pretty much a wonder try. Um, that was, was it that? a wonder try, or was it just? It was a wonder. No, no one wanted to tackle him. Really, uh, that, that counts as a wonder try. Okay, it's psychological it was, warfare. Well, it was from 70, 80 yards out, so it uh, yeah. does count. When the South Africans don't want to tackle you, you're doing something right. <laughs> um, George North continues to flatter, flatter to deceive, in my opinion. And then I think, right, I'd, surely we'll get some Twitter response now saying that I'm an idiot. But I don't think he's actually done that much this year. Since the Lions? No, he scores important tries by barreling over, but like basically tries that forwards could, could score because he's a big lad. I've not seen him do anything, really. That one where he tied the game up at King's home, where he got that, he, got, he, retur- oh, the, he returned that kick and yeah. put in uh, Jamie, Elliott. Jamie Elliott. Yeah, OK. That was, pretty, that was like, that, oh, that was, that was the George North. Thing. Yeah, that's what we want to see. I suppose he's set his You're not going to so see high. that every week. Well, that's yeah. what I want twice a yeah. week. I want to see that twice a week. You demand that. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I want. I want to see him doing what uh, Cuthbert did. 
And also, because mm. he's such a known quantity now, he's... teams will go in and go, right, this is how we shut down George North. Yeah. But in doing so, he will open up gaps for other people. Yeah. Because Agreed. they'll be worrying about him. You have to worry about him, don't you? Jonathan Davis didn't look as good as he usually does. I was really hoping that Jonathan Davis just, you know, that... light, light the place on fire. Uh, the problem is with this, right, is South Africa are basically a really good version of Wales. They just do everything Wales do, but better. Mm. But a lot better. Uh, not a lot better, just, mm. just, just marginally better. Enough. Better enough, to beat them by 20 well, points. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're at home as well. What I find really exciting about England is, and again, another similarity between the football and the rugby teams, is there, there's a really exciting, young, talented bunch of people coming through. What I do like about South Africa is they recognise experience and the value of experience yes. and age. Backies Bota and Victor Matfield in your second round. I just love it. I love watching those yeah. two play. It's an inter- Victor Matfield is an interesting call. He's 37 and it's 18 months until the World Cup. Well, to, to make him captain, to bring him back in and make him captain is a big Have I said goal. this already once? But this isn't the first time they've done it. They did it with Bob Skinstad. Yeah, they brought him back and they made, made him captain too. Yeah. But at what age? Bob and, Skinstad was in Richmond playing rugby, uh, touch rugby for his local Christian mission, <laughs> missionary group. I'm not even joking. He, he was, and they, and they brought him back. Oh, they have got some good young talent, though. That centre they brought mm. in, the, the inside centre. Yeah, he Jan, hit someone Jan, very hard. He was Fontaine. Uh, was North or Roberts? So, yeah, North or Roberts was yeah. hit him hard, he, and he made some good yards. He, he looks like a very good player. Yeah, I didn't realise this. Um, Matt Field's considerably older than both are. He's like three years older. Yeah. yeah, I thought they. I thought they were like born together, like same maternity <laughs> ward, grew up together. <laughs> but no, three years difference. Scotland narrowly beat Canada. Yeah. Uh, right, okay. France uh, lost 6 0 to Australia. How you go from that game last week to this get that game this week? Did I, 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 had, I had that game recorded. I was looking forward to watching it because France strengthened their team. Australia have got a really good attacking team. And then I saw the result and I just deleted it from my skybox. So there's no way, <laughs> no way I was going to watch did, it. Did Australia take the field with no backs? <laughs> Well, or one back. I, re- I read a report um, just to find out like what on earth happened, and it re- described it as an ugly, low-quality match that even purists would have struggled to appreciate. Wow. Wow. What, uh, what happened? If someone knows what happened, if someone actually bothered to, to yeah. watch it and stayed awake during it, please If you can fit it on Twitter, let us know. Let us know yeah. <laughs> uh, and Ireland beat Argentina again. It wasn't really Argentina, so it doesn't count. Uh, yeah, we watched a bit of that, but... It well, didn't seem like it was a, a miserable-looking game. game. Like, it's yeah. standard definition, which is which is a problem. Um, on top of that, it wasn't anyone really I recognised in the in, in the Argentine ranks, uh, and the stadium, the stadium looked like it was from the, from the eighties or something. Could have been worse. Phil Neville could have been summarising. <laughs> right. So more internationals this coming weekend, which we'll get to in a little bit. But we have got the fan-free agency opening up again. We need to get some music for this. Uh, what, I, thought what, little, I thought we had the little, little, little table. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Let me get right, it. I don't know how I'm going to do this, because some of these are like essays. But they're very good essays. Right, we have the Fan Free Agency. This is where you can pitch, like, kind of dragon... Think think kind of Dragon's Den style. You, you come up, sit in front of Phil, who doesn't have a rugby team at all. Very meek, polite dragon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> very small dragon. <laughs> Phil has been man and boy, Sesley Park, uh, who's played for. He has never supported a team. He's always played for the team that he plays for and, and grew up with. Now he's in the position where he's no longer playing for Sesley Park and he doesn't have a team and he has no affiliation whatsoever. So his fandom is open season. It could be your team. Phil's going to pick a team by the start of the season and he will completely dedicate himself to that team 
will go and do a podcast from the ground and come and watch a match. We'll he'll buy a first team shirt. Buy a season, season ticket, I think. Oh, yeah, season season ticket, yeah, yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah, we're waiting for you, uh, Bermuda RFC. Make your pitch. Last week, Rory put a very good case forward for Ulster. Mm. Yeah, I didn't really do that pitch credit. Quite a lot of support for Ulster. Yeah, we need to do more for the Irish very, fans, I very think. Very tempting. It's certainly the front runner at the moment. Yeah, if, if it ended today, you'd be an Ulster fan. Definitely. But it hasn't ended today. So, I've got two, and they are um, basically lo- local-ish rivals. Uh, I'll read them out, and then I think what we should do... I mean, you don't have to, but I think you should eliminate one of them. If there's a clear winner, I'll if eliminate one of them. If not, they can uh, join Ulster in my potential pile. OK. Let's just hear the last bit of music before we go into this. We've journeyed far, but I know it won't be long We're almost there, and we've paid our fare with a hobo song Feels weird not making a pipe during this. (laughs) (laughs) So you can get in touch uh, and put forward the reasons why your club should be the one that Phil chooses. Whatever reason you think, whatever your club has as its big selling point, its unique selling point, you've got to try and beat the other teams. Uh, It could be you have great ales in your clubhouse Mm. at good prices. It could Mm. be that your stash is the best. For example, if I was Harlequins, I might be getting in touch going... Adidas and now making yeah. our kit. Ooh. I saw that. I, have you actually seen a picture of it? I yet? haven't seen a picture of the kit, but I can't wait because it's Adidas. It's gonna be. It's gonna be awesome. I think Nike and Adidas, Adidas make the best stash. I just do. They just, do make the just best. Just on that, let me show you this picture um, that Jay's already seen of the French training stash from this weekend. Adidas. Oh. It is spectacular. Three words for that: ooh, la, and la. Wow. Look at those men. <laughs> that training kit is just outstanding. It's not like the world's training kit. Oh, it is, though, isn't we it? We are in the golden age of stash right now, aren't we? It is wonderful, isn't it? That kit, describe that, Jay. It, it, it's red and blue. It's bright, <laughs> but it's, it's bright red. Um, caught a few minutes of the, uh, the Australia-France game. Um, and I just, I just think the French kit is just gorgeous with yeah. those, that stripe across the back. Why is Jerry Guscott wearing, wearing the French kit? Oh, it's just, let me see that again. <laughs> I'm going to have to Google that with safe search off. <laughs> oh, that's, that's a thing of beauty, that training stash. Safe uh, search. Check out our Twitter account if you want to see it at Rugby Podcast on Twitter. So, we've got some more contenders trying to get Phil as a supporter. Okay. Come on then. So, here you go. Number one. Hi, Phil. Here are a few reasons why you should support Exeter Chiefs. The unfashionable club, from the media's point of view, as relative newcomers to the top table of English rugby, despite all the hoops we had to jump through, we have no famous ex-players. Well, that's not entirely true, but still. Um, and in media circles, we have no one to push our players for international honours. OK, so... Hold on, just what is that? What kind of music is this? Hold on, let me try... Hold on, hold on. No, no, no. Oh, what's that music called? Oh, 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 yeah. Oh, oh, oh. maybe you could just sing it whilst, whilst I read it. <laughs> oh, is, is that actually from oh, something? Chiefs is a superbly ran club operating in, in a correct and stable way, uh, and it turns a profit every year. That's interesting because, yeah, you, you, you know that Exeter Chiefs is going to be there in 10 years' time. Phil values yeah. accountancy. I do. I don't I think do. anyone values, values good accountancy more, more than Phil. Prudent financial planning. Which colour is it that's good when you're in the black? That's correct. Yeah, so yeah. they stay in the black. Yeah. That's right. Um, off the field, the stadium is regularly getting updated, and expansion this year has been readied for 2015 World Cup. Ooh. Mm. But funding is already in place for a longer goal of a 20,000-seater stadium. 
Wow. Nice. Nice. Club is led by Rob Baxter, we all, we all know that, who is 100% Exeter rugby. He, he started off as a ball boy and then stayed with Exeter apart from one season at Gloucester, having played 14 seasons, 10 as captain. When he hung up his boots, he started coaching Exeter Uni. Was, would that be in your term? Uh, yeah, yeah, I was, I was, I was there. I was there at that time. Yeah, he, they got like a scholarship system, and people like Andy Beatty uh, came along and played. Uh, were, were were playing at Exeter Chiefs and playing at the uni. Ah, what's he like? You met him? Yeah, he's just a, he's exactly as he comes across. He's just softly spoken, nice guy. But apparently, and I've not been trained by him, but apparently, just nails. When oh wow! The training and stuff. Coach uh, Exeter Uni and and worked with the forwards at Chiefs. In 2009, Rob was handed the top job and took his club to the promised land. The LV Cup? Must mean the LV Cup. Um, I'm not going to read all this because there's absolutely loads, but there is a bit here which refers to him being the true West Country, not like, not like Bristol and Bath, which I assume have been contaminated by outsiders. There's also a list of academy players to make it through. So Jack Knoll, Henry Slade, Sam Hill, Luke Cowan Dickey, all local lads. The boys play the game in the right way to running multiple phases of rugby wherever possible, which is appreciated by, by its fans. Sandy Park has been voted current rugby venue of the year, ooh, mm. with a warm West Country welcome for all, except if, if you're from Bath and Bristol, reading between the lines. <laughs> it's great otter beer and hog roast too. That, that sounds exciting. Ooh, I do like a hog good. roast. Ooh, and otter beer. I mean, as long as it's made out of real otters. Um, <laughs> So I, that, I want to hear about their long uh, history with Native American Indians as well. <laughs> well, I, yeah, there definitely is some sort. I mean, uh, apparently, someone from Exeter went over with smallpox on some blankets and handed, out, <laughs> handed them out to the Apaches. I have no idea. Was it not founded by Native American Indians? I think it might have been. You know, yeah. I think they were playing. Um, I think they were playing rugby there a long time before the West Country Settlers came in. Last yeah. of the Mohicans is about Exeter Chiefs <laughs> starting up as a club, isn't it? Daniel Day Lewis plays the, their very first director of rugby. I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah. OK, so who's the other team? Good so, case made for Exeter Chiefs there. Yeah. Uh, by Matt. The next one is from Rob, I think, Loader. OK. So, good morning, John. Hope all is well. At the time, it was Rob. Um, <laughs> so, essential stuff. He's, what he's done here is he's put it into different categories. And I, I like this. Very organised man. Are you going to tell us the team now? Or? No, you, you, can, you can guess. OK. Founded in 1856. Guess now. Bath Rugby Football Club is one of the oldest clubs in existence. The club plays it, played its first European fixture in 1907 against Racing Club de Borde something or other, French, I guess, uh, when they crossed the channel to play at the wreck. Since the 60s, Bath have had the ethos of fast attacking rugby. This has never changed, and we still play in the same manner today. I think they went through the phase about five years ago when they weren't playing particularly fast or attractive rugby, but we'll let that one slip. Full list of honours speak for itself. One Heineken Cup, one European Challenge Cup, and I think two finals as well somewhere. Yeah. The English Premiership, the Courage League Zurich Premiership back in the day, 89, 91, 92, 93, 94, 96. The John Player Pilkington Cup, 10. Yeah. 84. Wow. I 80... went to quite a few of those finals. Did you really? Yeah. Well, 84, 85, 86, 87. <laughs> uh, had a break in 89. Uh, sorry, it's had a break in 88. Then it won in 89. 1990, 1992, 1994, 1995, 1996. That's quite impressive. They, they, were, um, they, wow. were, they were dominant. They were dominant every year, every yeah. single year. I, 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 yeah, like I say, year after year, we would go from Newbury Rugby Club, we'd always take a coach to Twickenham, whoever was oh, in Oh, my word. It was always Bath. In the professional era, we were the first British team to win the European Cup and the only team to win the domestic cup, by some things. Cool stuff. This is the next thing. Uh, the wealth of talent in the current scheme is off the scale. 
He's listed Matt Garvey, London Irish. Yeah, thanks to London Irish. Yeah, <laughs> Dave Atwood, Gloucester. Carl Eastmond, Oldham. Uh, George Ford, Oldham. <laughs> Anthony Watson, London Irish. Rob Webber, Wasps. Nathan Katz, local. Jonathan Joseph, London Irish. Rocket Dagoonie, the Army. Francois Lowe, South African. Paul James, Welsh. And Leroy Houston, Australian. So they're very good at recruitment. Very mm. good at recruitment. So, top sales pitch. Top sales. <laughs> um, and it's only g- g- going to get yeah. better with Henry Thomas from Sale. Um, I like this guy. I- I'm going to say his name wrong, but Nick Arterick, or, or the prop or- from Sargent. Arterick, yeah. Yep. And so, uh, uh, Sam, Sam Burgess. Burgess. Mm. Oh wow, you get you you you'd get Sam Burgess as well. Oh, one and of it's your... here, Sam Burgess, who who will be playing second row. <laughs> uh, brackets officially. He's trying to flatter you there, Phil, <laughs> with your prediction. He didn't say that because that'd be ridiculous, and he knows about rugby, so he didn't pull that. Uh, and Luke Arscott, I'm not sure that's a great signing. Do you think that's a great signing? Yeah, I do. He's really, a, he's a good player. Yeah. Oh, I'm not a fan. If you just wanted to shut up shop at the back and have someone that's not going to miss a tackle, going to catch everything, going to kick well. You just got an absolutely rock solid pair of hands. Okay, I rate him. I think he's a very good player. Oh well, I I, I take it back then. The best academy setup in the country, born and run by uh, legend Danny Grucock. Now, I've got a problem with this, which is all those names that we've just listed did not come from the academy, as all the extra names did come from the from the academy. I'm just saying. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Bath have always had an awesome production line. Maybe it was more so in the past than it is currently. Yeah. When you think Steve Borthwick, Matt Stevens, Mike Cat, <laughs> there's loads of them. Nick Benders, <laughs> Benders, Matt Banahan, Matt Banahan, London Irish again. Was, no, was yeah, from Jersey, went to London Irish, he played second row, they realised he was quick, and he went to Bath. I think what they're really, really good at is recruiting people really young. They get out there. My, my brother was spotted playing under-18s or under-19s Newbury rugby against, like, Maidenhead, and someone from Bath was there, watched him and went, come along, and, come along and play. So they're, they're, they're really good at spotting people young. So I, I think that's important, but it kind of falls a little bit flat. But there's more. So more important stuff. Unlike other teams such as Exeter, London Welsh and Quinns, we've never played Sedgley Park. So there's not an emotional clash there. Mm. Now, this, to me, almost seals it. The Rec. The Recreation Ground is by far the most iconic stadium in the country. In my mind, I think it's the best stadium possibly in the world. And that is not a joke. I really do. We are currently in the middle of a very long-term argument with the Charity Commission over the future of the Rec. Having a high-profile superstar name such as Phil as a fan will only benefit... The club moving oh, forward. Oh, nice. Nice. Back of the net. <laughs> we have arguably the most passionate and knowledgeable fans in the um, in the country. I'm not... Maybe in England. I wouldn't say you do in Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> Judging by some of our, our, our other submissions. Uh, and Bath is literally buzzing on match days. And I, and I can actually back that up. I've been to a Bath game. It is awesome. And I live there. And do you know what? I, I lived there for seven years. And what I love about Bath is you get the local paper... Rugby's on the back page. Mm. You walk down the street and you have a chat with someone, they're talking about rugby. It's awesome being in a town where rugby is the number one and the only mm. sport. It sounds silly, like Oldham. I, I'm not even joking. <laughs> yeah. They love rugby league and they don't even have a rugby league team. So, yeah. Um, right, OK, so just to summarise, we've got Exeter, the, the plucky underdogs that spend up to the salary cap. And do it from a bottom-up approach and build the foundations and grow slowly and... Very slowly. And are very, very connected with their fans and their local area. But you might make the argument Bath had already done that in in 1890. Yeah. So, either way, 
I think Exeter have it. I mean, this, this is for oh, you, Phil. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Stop. In, in you shut up right now, JB. This, this is, is, just, just this is Phil's call. Now, the way this is working, Phil, is come the start of the season, you're going to commit to one team. Now, JB's suggested that you rule one team or other out. You don't have to. I don't think you have to. I was thinking in X Factor sort of terminology mm. when they go, you're through to boot camp, you're through to boot room. Boot, yeah, boot so room. Ulster, boot room. Ulster are currently through to boot room. Yes, they certainly are. And you, I, I think I'm ready to make a decision. Go on. Um, I think it's good for Bath. <laughs> so Jay is already an Exeter fan. Well, you, although he yes. does love Bath as well. That's so much. Quite a conflicted Exeter fan. But one of the things that was mentioned was the uh, former rivalry, and I did play against Exeter a few years ago. <sighs> How did you get on that day? We got beat thirty-five, twelve, something like that. There's there quite a few good names in the team. They had like Matt Jess, Tom Johnson was playing, Richard Baxter, Bullies, uh, I think Bullies, Dan- Daniel Tui was playing, uh, Drana Nui, who's mm. a, a Worcester. Like, so you didn't disgrace yeah. yourself that so day. Quite a lot of good, quite a lot of good players. So yeah, that does kind of put me against Exeter a little bit. But everything I hear about Bath, the city, the the ground, the place is so positive, and I love the way that they're playing rugby at the moment. <laughs> so I think I'm gonna put Exeter through to the boot room <gasps> and drop sorry put Bath through oh, to the boot room oh was a joke <laughs> put Bath through to the boot room and drop Exeter oh now. wow that's exactly what I was hoping you'd say and that is no, that is that's surely no reflection on, on Exeter Chiefs because no, I, I think they've got again because I'm a match I'm a match announcer at Sale Sharks so I see all the away fans I think they've got the best fans yeah. and then they have the best relationship between players and fans of any team that I've ever seen. I have to admit, I when I watched Bath Exeter, Bath Exeter in December, I wished that the Exeter fans were the Bath fans so therefore <laughs> I could get the best of all worlds because they were awesome. I have always had a bit of a soft spot for Exeter. I like them as the kind of plucky underdogs and doing everything right, but I don't think I'd want to support them full-time. So basically, you're, you're, you're just a glory hunter, aren't you? That's, that's basically what we've learned. Maybe. <laughs> uh, there we go. At Rugby Podcast, if you want to get in touch, if your team hasn't been represented yet and you think, actually, you want Egg Chasers to follow your team or Phil uh, and us to come down and watch a game and do a podcast from your ground and basically just shout about how brilliant your team is through Phil, uh, his fandom is up for grabs at Rugby Podcast on Twitter and you could have it. Right. I thought it'd be quite appropriate to have a little bit of uh, rugby oki at this point. <clears throat> mm, excellent. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be any better than Alex Corbiziero's rapping last week because he was back with some rapping, but it seems appropriate. With the, we, we sort of linked the fan free agency and X Factor thing with Phil having to make a, a difficult decision about who to put through to boot room. Well, someone has done in rugby oki this week a very, very X Factor style song, mm. and it's Richard Palfreman of London Irish, one of their young guns there at London Irish. He gave his front of the bus rendition of You Raise Me Up by Westlife. Oh, wow. That fine Irish boy band. So uh, here he is. This is Richard Palfreman from the London Irish YouTube channel that we spotted. Troubles come and my heart burdens me. And I am still and wait here in the silence. Until that big grin, he's loving it. <laughs> wow. Go on, Rich, give it some fella. You raise me up so I can stand on mountains. That's awful. <laughs> you raise me up. 
he was really committing to it yeah he's, back, he's uh, not so sure anymore is he I think you can see just behind the eyes he's going what am I doing what have I done this for his arms are in the air and he's waving side to side there you go thank you Richard Palfreman for that fine, fine rendition there <sighs> lovely Thanks, Tim. Uh, pleasure, pleasure. <laughs> yeah, great one. <laughs> uh, right, so we've got third test England-New Zealand. How do you see that one going down? We've, we've already touched upon the fact that New Zealand could ring the changes, but would they also not want to uh, just, don't, I just don't think drive the nail in and go 3-0, off you go, back to England? Yeah, I, I think they will do that. I think they'll play their strongest team. They might yeah. make one or two changes, but nothing major. And I think England as well will, will try and keep a fairly consistent team. I think it would be better to keep a fairly consistent team because that, that was their weakness, or arguably a weakness. Do you think England two. are going to be rattled or do you think they're going to look at it as like we're closer to beating, to beating them? It's, it's interesting because I came away from it feeling like England had taken a bit of a beating even though they only lost by one point. Mm. So I don't know what the, the mentality in the camp will be, whether they think we were so close and like almost won it or whether they felt like they were outplayed. That five minutes before half-time, I think that was where the game was won and lost. They they butchered a, a try. and If, if Tuolagi scores that and it goes 17-3 or 17-6 and at there, half-time... And there was also that one where, you know, uh, Rob Webber just scrambled towards the oh, line. They yeah. were right on the line. They, they, yeah. they should have scored a try there. England should have had a bigger lead at half-time. Yes. They gave away that stupid penalty and they slotted it and it was 10-6 instead of 17-3. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the game was won and lost for England. Agree. I think that England might do it this week. I think they might might have enough. I think New Zealand will be a bit more more relaxed because they've won the series. There's no pressure on them or anything like that. And I think England might might just have feel, a chance to do it. I feel they're just warming up. I, I I thought maybe they caught them cold first test, second test. Then okay, but it feels like a bigger beating. Although the scoreline was smaller, and I think this week it's gonna it's gonna be bad. I hope it's not. I'd like seeing England win, but I don't think they're going to. What do you reckon, Tim? I have to agree with Jay. Mm. I think New Zealand are. Aren't going to want to let up. That's not in their nature, and they haven't lost it at home in five years. Mm. And I think they're going to want to send England pack in with a message. Yeah. And I think they'll be almost. I think New Zealand will almost be annoyed that England got as close as they did, mm. because the game was kind of won. So I actually, I think they they could potentially win at a canter. That yeah. said, if you had to say the curve that England are on, they're going to get better. New Zealand, are they going to get a lot better than they are? Don't know. No. No. I'll... Let's hope not. But there's there's other games next week. There, there is. Well, uh, watch out for the early kickoff. Yeah, six a.m. Australia, France. I'm hoping it's more like the first week than the first <laughs> test than the second test. Yeah, and even if you do, do just watch it for the lovely French kit, even mm, if it's a terrible game. dreamy. Yeah, it's particularly like the six o'clock kickoff. So get up about five thirty and just watch them warming up in that red red training. Kit. Go back to bed then. <laughs> yeah, or or the game or the game will put you back to sleep. One of the two. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, again, I I think Australia will complete a whitewash there. Um, hmm. Yes. Uh, South Africa? They'll, they're going to win. Again. Game over. They're going to bully Wales once more. Yep. Yep. Afraid so. And Argentina against Scotland. Is it real Argentina or not? That's on Friday night, that game. Oh, Scot- Scotland? Argentina, Scotland. Oh, okay. So unbeaten, unbeaten Dirk. Dirk. Vern. Can't say his Who's Dirk Cotton? I'm going to go for Argentina on that one. Hmm. I reckon they might beat Scotland. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they bring any of their play, their like European stars back. But they're playing pretty well against a strong island. Like they've got, they've lost twice, but uh, made had good accounts of themselves in two close games. 
against a strong island team. So mm. yeah, Argentina at home to do it. To win. Oh, by the way, Fiji get are looking really good, aren't they? As a as one of the sort of second tier nations, they're looking really strong. They pumped Tonga. Has to be said, six tries they got, and they just thrashed him in the Pacific Nations tournament. Yeah, um, and let's not forget Crusaders are playing England Tuesday morning. That's an eight AM kickoff. Mm, I don't know what what's wrong with me today. I've called Alex Cuthbert, Ollie Cuthbert, <laughs> who used to play wing for Bath, and I've called Fern Cotter, Dirk Clotter, who's actually a coach for the Atlanta Falcons. Unbelievable. JB, I think it's the more of a mute you get, the the more stupid you're getting. Yeah, the you, bigger you get in the gym. Yeah, maybe. And maybe. you are, and you are bigger than you've ever been. Not as big as I've ever been. Really? A bit bigger. I think in terms of good weight, you're as big as you've ever been. Ah, yeah. Yes, maybe, maybe. <laughs> you've been fatter, but I've definitely been fatter. You've not been as big and lean as you are. I think you're 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 just getting more more stupid. Yeah. That's all that's happening. Yeah. And by the way, if there's any local teams other than Broughton Park who want to give me a bit of cash to come and play, I, I'm open to that. I can play anywhere. <laughs> I will Rubbish happily players. drop down a few levels to get 25 quid a game. Not not <laughs> not even an issue. So if you're mercenary, Jay. I'm going to be 100 percent a mercenary. Yeah. <laughs> what sort? How much money is there in lower? Like again, this is just rumor and conjecture. Um, well, but... rumored, right? If you drop down two levels from where Broughton Park is to a club rumored to be around Altrincham called Bowden, apparently <laughs> rumored to be around <laughs> Altrincham, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you could get twenty-five quid a game, which is unbelievable. I heard they were paying more than that a, a couple of years yeah, ago. Yeah, I heard that. I, was, I can't believe they are. They're a terrible team. Th- there's there's um, a rumor that when I played for Newbury, I got a club car. No, you didn't. I got a car. Really? It had the big crest on the front. I had to bring a few boys from uh, from Bath when I was at Bath Uni. So I, the, the, there was three of us that went from Bath Uni to Newbury. Got a car, and it was twenty five quid every training session. And if, wow. you, if you played, it was fifty quid a game, hundred quid for a, a, vi- ne- a win. I've never you- been paid to play, but I'd have. I used to get sixty quid expenses to get from Manchester to Colwyn Bay, and I was just delighted with that. Just <laughs> absolutely delighted that but someone paid me money. I think it's bonkers. I I I think. I also was there at Manchester when the money ran dry. Yeah. And every, there was no loyalty to the club no, whatsoever no. and everyone left and, that, the cl- and the club just dive-bombed out of the leagues. Everyone had been brought Still in. going down now. Yeah. It, might, it might have stopped. Like, it might be able to turn itself around. Well, they might Five have hit the bottom. Five years, though. Um, I, I know a, a guy whose first uh, playing agreement was at Birkenhead Park and it was... Ten pints and a curry of your choice from the local, That's more local like takeaway. It. No, we're talking. That's more like it. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm strictly of the opinion: if you're in the lower leagues and if you want me to come, come run your club, I'm happy to do that. Do not pay players. You can pay a coach. Do not pay players. And if you're going to pay players, don't give them cash. Give them beer <laughs> because they'll stay around and they won't even know they're getting paid, but they'll just be happy. There's a club in Manchester called Burnage, and that's how they do it. They give, they get, it's like gym membership, curry after training, and it creates a good bit club of camaraderie. Exactly, a good club. Yeah, and, good and club. that's that's how you do it. That is good. That's how you do it. Anyway, we've gone off on a lovely tangent there. Maybe we can revisit that at a, f- yeah. a future mm. point. Uh, but that's it for this um, Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. At Rugby Podcast on Twitter is where you can find us and react to any. Anything you've heard uh, otherwise just a nice one jb cheers tim and nice one phil cheers tim in a bit small details are big surfaces tight corners are odd shapes flat rounded textured or tall whatever your next project there's a spray paint pattern that's just right because rustoleum's new custom spray five and one gives you control with five different spray patterns so you can tackle nooks crannies edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 